Brothers Podcast. Brothers Podcast. I'll ask the question, um, what are you kind of looking forward to right now in, in the season coming up for the NFL? I can start because I, I already know what I'm kind of looking forward to. Colin Kaepernick getting the job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well. Speaking of that, um, that's a good first point. Are you, uh, there are a lot of people that are thinking about protesting the NFL this season. Are you guys among those that will be protesting until Colin Kaepernick is signed by an NFL team? So, I have a question. Because, I, I don't get me wrong, I love my NFL. Um, really do, especially my Cowboys. How does the, the NFL monetize this um, basic cable games, CBS games, A. Well, they don't have games on ABC, NBC games, Fox games, based off of advertisements, correct? So the more viewers that they have for those games, the the better it looks for advertising. So because they essentially judge themselves based on viewership. Um, yeah. If you're using, say, a, a uh, air antenna as opposed to a cable provider. Is it tracked the same? So essentially, yeah, the cable, it's it is still tracked the same. Yeah, because um, Nielsen SoundScan does a lot of the advertising and rating stuff, so it will track both. But really, the, the from a money standpoint, I think the NFL already has their contracts with the networks, sure. so that that's already money they they have in their pocket. Right. I think the the larger impact of any boycott will more so be on the individual networks themselves because they would still, I think, be shopping around that advertising time. So your NBC, CBS, ESPN, those channels are still trying to, you know, essentially recoup from signing the, the major deals and leveraging having large viewership for each game as a reason why, you know, companies would pay more for that advertising time. So I guess my thought process is it's less about the money that we can actually cause the NFL to lose in the immediate as opposed to the look that it will receive. Because essentially the way the public or the the, the, the casual viewer um, evaluates how the NFL is doing is based on how much viewing that they actually get. Because we they, there's been talk about how the viewership of the NFL has has gone down in the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. So really, that's that's the, other than not buying merchandise or not attending actual games, which is more so a detriment to the team specifically as far as attending games, um, what most people can do is actually to not view the games um, on TV in a way that it can be counted, which that's why I asked the question because uh, not everybody has cable subscription. If you could watch it through the air reception, essentially, then without it being counted, that'd be different. But since that's not a possible thing, a boycott would actually really need to be an actual boycott of watching games. Yeah. And, and also, I think you really have to kind of look at other ways if you do want to watch, like try to find your different streaming sources and stuff, because, of course, that wouldn't really be tracked. Um, if you if you really wanted to watch, but yeah, to to your point, it would have to be a well orchestrated boycott 
for it to have any impact. And, and more so what you would do is not necessarily put pressure on the NFL. It also is pressure on the actual advertisers. So if they start pulling their ads and, and not um, really spending, like j- just think if Budweiser said we're not spending on advertising this year, then the NFL would have a major reaction and probably change something up. You know what really th- throws me off, though, about, about all of this? They brought Jay Cutler out of the booth. He had a job. He retired. They said, hey, you haven't been training. Um, come play for Miami. And you weren't that good before. To where you were still in prime playing age and retired. The explanation for that, for the whole Miami thing, I heard it explained and i use explain as a loose term for something else explained on various podcasts and on espn and all that type of stuff the explanation was that he knew the system he had his best year on the gates and he knew the system and in opposite uh colin kaepernick he wore a fidel castro shirt with the huge cuban population in miami so they thought it would have been a bad move um, to bring Colin Kaepernick on. Do I agree with that? Absolutely not. I mean, if I had to choose between Jay Cutler and Colin Kaepernick, just based on the history, based on the facts, the objective facts we could, you know, put on the field, I mean, I don't even know if Jay Cutler has ever won a playoff game, to be honest. I think he's been to the playoffs once in his career. As we all know, Colin Kaepernick took the 49ers to the Super Bowl, so it didn't really make any sense to me, especially if the reports are the Miami Dolphins are trying to move on from Ryan Tannehill anyway. To, to add to to that, first of all, he, he's won one play, playoff game. It was that year that the, the Bears went to the NFC Championship game and he hurt his leg, and that was the whole thing about him being on the sideline riding that bike. They thought he had just quit quit on the game, quit on the team. So yeah, so he had one playoff, one playoff win in his entire career. Two, this whole best year that they're alluding to, he had twenty three touchdowns and eleven interceptions. Same, I mean that's okay, but it's not like he had some spectacular year. I don't even think that they're. I don't even think that they're saying that from a totality standpoint. I think that was the year he threw the least amount of interceptions. I think that was. <laughs> I, I think that was what they were saying his best year was. That was the least amount of interception. And if that is the metric for for judging the quarterback that you pick up, your franchise is in a bad spot. So that gets me back to my original question. Are you, will you all be protesting in some way the NFL season for, I, I guess, the lack of a Colin Kaepernick signing? I've made the decision not to watch this year. Um, I wouldn't call what I'm doing a protest because it's not it's not that I will watch if he gets signed. It's just the, the way that this whole thing has been handled. Um, and if they if he does end up with a team, I'll almost say like a few weeks into the season, he eventually gets signed. I feel like it would be because of pressure from fans or some other reason versus a team actually wanting him. And I and, and like I can't I can't rock with that, bro. I really can't. See, I, I look at it differently. I think he'll get signed midseason, not because of the pressure, but because somebody's gonna get hurt and a team's going to need somebody and he's your best option. And at the end of the day, I think that's what's gonna push people over the edge. They're gonna 
forget a moment of their previous convictions when their season's on the line and they could possibly, you know, be a, either a contender or, or just be more competitive. I think that's what's, what's going to push some GM or owner to, to say, you know what, I wasn't going along with this because I felt that strongly about it. I just didn't really see the need at the moment, but now I see a need. That's a point. It's, all, it's almost like they don't, is there anyone else left that they could push put out there and they could say, hey, this guy is is close enough to Kaepernick's skill level to where we could justify signing him? I don't think it's anybody left, right? I've heard Tim Tebow's name been thrown out there again. Yeah, and I'm just I think, like, bro, I think before, Tim Tebow, it's like, what? <laughs> what yeah, I think before they signed Cutler, I think the four quarterbacks they had in the running for the job were Cutler, Kaepernick, Tebow, and Manziel. Wow. Wow. I think that's what I saw on uh, Highly Questionable. And, uh, yeah, once you've got to that point, it's a sad state. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things where they'll always, we know they is, they will always have an excuse for, well, so-and-so is still available, so that doesn't mean we have to go with Captain. They'll, they'll try it out Brent Favre before <laughs> somebody signs Colin Kaepernick. It's, it's, it's just incredible, like, the commitment to not giving this man a job that he rightfully deserves in the NFL. And I, to answer Kendall's question, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth with it about whether or not to watch this year or not. Um, again, restating that I'm a devout Cowboys fan. So that, that would be my biggest thing to miss out on would be Cowboys games. Um, so I, I'm still I'm still wrestling with the concept. The rest of the NFL, I can take or leave. This was going to be an exciting year. There's going to be some tem- teams that really made some strides, some players that I really wanted to see. But, you know, it just it, it kind of seems the whole NFL structure is supremely hypocritical in terms of what people really get upset about and what people choose not to get that upset about. Like, for instance saw a story the other day. Mike Vick, who served his time for his part in a dogfighting ring um, back when he was playing, I don't know how many years ago, over a decade ago, he's getting the opportunity, or at least I think he's supposed to get the opportunity, to be a coaching assistant at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. His former coach, Andy Reid, now works there and is given him the mm-hmm. opportunity to potentially come in and learn the trade as a coach. Tell me why there were protesters for animal really? rights groups for him getting the job after he's already served his time. Already. They're still mad about that, boy. And they're still he's upset still about mad. it. <laughs> he's still he's, he's served his time. He's given back. He's, he's done as much in terms of retribution as he could. He, his NFL career was basically toast. Um, he did come back and play, but he was never the same player again. So, but people are still out here protesting that when I'm sure their favorite their favorite football player probably already laid hands on some lady and didn't have to do any time or get suspended. But you know, just people have their own priorities. So the the only I guess way that I'll start watching more because um, over the past years, probably because of school and stuff, of course, I haven't watched football nearly as much. But 
going back to kind of how I kicked it off a little bit, I am looking forward to at least the, the Vikings because I really want to see Bridgewater get back. Um, some of the reports I've seen that he's looking relatively good, um, but I'm not sure if he's actually fully um, got back to, to where he was before. But just want to see if, if he can make a recovery and, and what that puts the Vikings. Um, for myself, um, I've wrestled back and forth with the like Whitey has talked about. Um, I'm obviously a fan of the Panthers. I don't get the Panthers games where I live anyway. Um, I only get the Washington professional football team. Um, so I never get Panthers games. Say that again. Washington <laughs> professional football team. Yeah, you'll never hear me call them by the other name. But um, so I, I honestly don't plan on watching. Um, I'll probably try to maybe check some highlights or anything. But I think the fact that the NFL has kind of made Colin Kaepernick a martyr, for lack of a better word, maybe an example to other NFL players to say, hey, you know, don't step out of line, you know, just shut up, do your job, basically, and you can have all this money, you can, you know, have all the success. But the moment you execute your, your right to freedom of speech, then, you know, we have a problem with it. And so I, I don't plan on watching, to be honest. Uh, I think it's ironic that the fact that when Colin Kaepernick sits down, says nothing for the national anthem, you have all this uproar. But I don't know if you guys remember about a couple of years ago, um, Riley Cooper from the Eagles um, went to the concert. And, you know, he obviously uttered the N-word at, um, I believe, a security guard. And he got an extension. Basically, I mean, he literally got an extension that season. That is factual. The, the, the thing that frustrates me the most uh, all of this <laughs> is you see like the Richard Sherman speaking out and, and people like that, but you you don't hear anybody from like the Matt Ryan's and Aaron Rodgers and you know kind of that side of the NFL. You really do see a big divide, like. This is just a player like anybody else. It, it could be a different situation where they speak speak out, but you don't have any of the players' association or anything coming to his defense and making more of pressure on the league to do something about it when it's obviously not because of skill set or, or injuries or physical ability. That I think that's what frustrates me the most. So, two points I wanted to bring up real quick. One, um, Kendall brought up an excellent point in referencing the National Football League professional team that resides in Washington, D.C., um, and how the hypocrisy of the NFL really, really shows itself. Because essentially, uh, Colin Kaepernick could get blackballed for, for quote-unquote alienating or disrespecting uh, segment of the population <laughs> that fight to protect our nation. At the same time, we, we, and by we, I mean the people who watch professional football and NFL at large, use a caricature of the people that the colonials essentially slaughtered to take this country as a football mascot. So there's hypocrisy in that. That's number one. Number two, not everybody remembers this, but I actually saw this. I can't remember if it was on ESPN or if I saw it uh, on a Bleacher Report article. 
there was an NBA player, a promising NBA player, who was a, I think he was a converted, but devout uh, Muslim. Uh, and I'm going to mess his name up. I know it, but I, I'm on the road, so I can't check. I think it was Abdul Sharif Rahim. I can't remember. He, he played in the either late 90s, early 2000s. And he did a similar protest in the NBA um, where I don't think he knelt, but he might have prayed instead of the standing at attention for the national anthem. And he essentially got blackballed and ousted out of the NBA and forgotten about. And he was a young, promising um, point guard, like an all-star level point guard, but because of his protests, essentially the same thing that's happening to Kaepernick happened to him, and, and he was effectively ousted out of the NBA. So this has happened before. And Wadi, that's a good point, bringing up what happened in the NBA uh, back then. But one thing I do want to point out, I don't know if you guys heard what Mark Cuban had to say about this situation. And for those of you who don't know, Mark Cuban is the owner of the NBA's Dallas Mavericks. He pretty much stated in the note on certain terms, if Colin Kaepernick was in the NBA, he'd be signed by now. Point blank, period. So I I just think it's interesting the way that – they're saying that he um, him protesting is disrespecting the flag and disrespecting the troops and all that type of stuff. But yet the hypocrisy of the NFL, like what Wadi alluded to, is one we have a team with the character of a uh, Native American as their mascot. Two, I think you have other NFL players, including players on the Dolphins, that had some type of criminal history or anything like that that are signed and don't have an issue right now. So the, basically the NFL is saying is we don't care what you do outside of football. You know, we don't care, you know, all that type of stuff. Just don't open your mouth, basically. You know, as you say that, it is interesting looking at the leadership of the, the two different leagues. <clears throat> because if you, you look at the NBA, that whole transition from Stern to um, Adam Silver now, that has been pretty seamless. And I think it's even improved the trajectory of the league and, and, and kind of where it's going. But when you look at the transition to Roger Goodell, I think it's really taking a step back. And the, the NFL has had more issues, it seems, over this time span. Because if you even think about the NBA All-Star game and where the, the NBA stood on that um, and pulling it from Charlotte because of the, the whole bathroom law, that was a bold move for such a large, large league. But they did it and did it early enough and with conviction um, to really have a point to, to prove. Now transition to the NFL, they don't really have any opinion about anything. It's almost like all they follow is the, the, the dollar and, and that's it. And I guess that trickles down into how they manage these different situations. If you think about it, if we're comparing the two leagues, if you put them up side by side, they're diametrically two completely different leagues in terms of how they grow and how they're ran. So essentially the NBA is, if we were to put it in a relative more widely understood term, the, the NBA would be democratic more liberal more yeah. left leaning as opposed to the NFL, which would essentially be more Republican. They're very, very stern on what they believe, how they run things. It is not 
friendly to those who make the least. It was more friendly to those who own the most, i.e. owners. So it is an owner's league. The owners in Goodell run everything. They have the most money, which is the same for, for the other leagues, but it's not player-friendly, right? So, for instance, where Kaepernick is being blackballed from the, from the NFL, you have Mark Cuban, an owner in the NBA, saying that he would have been signed by now. I don't think that's the case 15 years ago, i.e. The, the player that we spoke about that did the same sort of protest. But that's how far the league has come in terms of being more player-friendly, being more progressive, um, being more willing to do what is right as opposed to do what is comfortable. So that's that's how much the league has changed. And I think if you look at the history of the NBA, it's more willing to grow and progress with the world and with the players in which it played, the, that played the game itself, as opposed to the NFL. They're pretty much going to stay with the thoughts and beliefs of the ownership unless forced to do otherwise. And even when they're, fo- they're presented with information to do otherwise, the, the change isn't always quick. So, it, I, I mean, if you compare the two leagues side by side, they're completely different in terms of yeah. how they, they change and how they grow. I wonder if some of that is from the, the, the simple fact that Basketball is a much more worldwide sport than football. Like you, you really have people from all over the world playing basketball in the NBA, but that is far less to to the extent in the NFL. I mean, for me personally, um, just talk comparing the NFL versus the NBA. I've been an NBA fan pretty much my entire life. I mean, I think I remember as watching as early as 1996. So I remember because that's when Kobe got drafted. And he's been my favorite player ever since then. I don't think I actually seriously started watching the NFL until I was in high school. And, I, you know, you know the stars more. Uh, obviously, they don't have helmets on or anything like that. So if you see an NBA star somewhere, um, you know, I think you'll recognize them a lot easier than an NFL player unless it's like a quarterback or somebody pretty famous. But to go to Wadi and Barrett's point, I think the NFL is pretty reactionary by, by nature. One example of that was the whole domestic violence situation with Ray Rice. You remember they gave him, what, one or two games initially? And yeah, then yeah. the video came out, and then, you know, the whole uproar happened. So the NFL was like, oh, look at us. We're going to just uh, go ahead and change our policy. And then gave him six games. And then they took it to court, and <laughs> the court pretty much said, you can't just backtrack on what you gave him initially after you completed the investigation. So I think that's an also can be demonstrated in this Colin Kaepernick situation that no one really had an issue until, you know, some of the sponsors and maybe some of the fans started complaining about it. I don't know if you guys saw the report on ESPN. They did a report on why the ratings were down, so they polled a bunch of fans. I would love to see the sample size of that poll because the number one reason (laughs) they stated that the attendance was down was because of the protests, which I thought was just absolutely ridiculous. BS. I think it's BS. I, I can tell you a few more reasons why people are, are uh, uh, people, attendance is down. The biggest reason being it's expensive going to NFL games, man, and the experience ain't the same. You don't get you got to pay eight thousand dollars for for food and drinks there. You you're sitting in a small seat. You're in a small seat that's close to a whole bunch of other small seats. And then you don't get any of the commentary, so it's like during the TV timeouts, you just it's just 
you just hear people talking and stuff. I mean, they, they've made the experience so great just watching from home that it's not even worth the hassle of going to a game. No, not at all. <laughs> even though, like, I love, I still love going to the games, but it's just like if I had the choice whether to just go to the game forever or watch it, watch it on TV forever, I'm definitely watching it on TV. Yeah. Like, so it's more convenient. I'd much rather go to an NBA game than an NFL game. One, I think just the more seats there are just better just because how the, the stadium set up. Um, so it's more enjoyable. But it's just more it's more fun. Like, I think back to the NFL when it was the Atlanta Falcons. You had, what's his name, Anderson at running back. That era, the league was fun. But now you transition to think how that would play out now. It's just not possible, and I think that's what the NFL has really messed up on is how to maintain kind of their same decorum that they want, but remember that it's for entertainment value. And I think Goodell has, you know, had his hand in, in shaping a lot of that and taking a lot of that those fun aspects away, so you don't really want to go to a game that much because, like Brian said, you're not missing much going to a game. Speaking of the no fun league. The one thing that I think, and it's something very small, it's something easily changed, but I think the one thing that probably makes the fun, the games least fun, or takes the most fun out of the game, is the whole, whole uproar about the celebrations. Really? This, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever, I've ever experienced, right? Because... I remember there was a point in time where you played Madden or NCAA or yep. whatever, and you were trying to do the celebrations. Like, you wanted to score a touchdown so you could do the <laughs> celebrations. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it got creative. Like, the T.O.s, the Joe Horns, like, all that stuff. Now, it's kind of – like, they almost they almost find Ezekiel Elliott for jumping in the Salvation Army belt. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. And instead, what happened on the back end is he made a donation to the Salvation Army instead. For instance, the whole thing with Josh Norman and the bow and arrow uh, celebration, that's now illegal. And so he was clearly upset about it. And probably the best point that I've heard was you have stadiums or teams that have cannons. (laughs) The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a boat with multiple cannons. The Patriots have Minutemen standing at the end zone with muskets that can shoot those off when they score a touchdown, but he can't, or players can't fire a fake bow and arrow. Yeah, and that's one thing I used to look forward to myself when I used to just like wait for the you know the ESPN highlights at the end of the night. I wonder what uh, celebration T.O. or uh, or Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco had planned or any other wide receivers. I know Steve Smith had some good ones as well. And that's why you watch the NFL. It's all entertainment. I don't know why everyone treats it so seriously as far as, you know, you can't celebrate, you can't do this. You're trying to show up, your teammates, you're trying to, you know, you're not celebrating with your teammates, right? You're not celebrating, you're not doing it the right way, which is kind of coded language, I think. That goes back to the whole concept of the NFL and the NBA being completely different. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where you, the people that run things, think things are supposed to be a certain way they're used to them being this way and so that's how they're going to remain is that they are this way 
when you see people that aren't performing in that way, they're doing it the wrong way, as Kendall pointed out, using that coded language, then we got to change that. Mm, good point. I, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I, I didn't think about the, the coded language at all. I mean, I'll take uh, Kendaris's place as the uh, the conspiracy theorist or the, the uh, <laughs> well, Brian, what'd you call it? I'm going to put my, uh, you got a great line in the group chat. Oh, man. I can't oh. remember what it was. The uh, Hotep, Hotep. Oh, Hotep. I'm going to put the Hotep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and, uh, and say, uh, the NFL's modern day slavery. Is, I mean, essentially that's what it is. Or, or if you want to take it to a non-strictly black form of thinking, it's modern-day gladiators. Like pe- people that have a skill set that have decided to make this skill set their way of providing for them, their families, but they're still under contracts. They're still under certain stipulations, and they have to perform with certain rules to where if they don't, they get ousted. It's much from in terms of punishments, it's much less violent than the the comparables that I'm comparing it to. But still, they'll take away your livelihood, i.e., Kaepernick, for speaking out or or showing some form of protest. Or if you make them look bad, i.e., Ray Rice. Granted, he he did do something wrong, but they were okay with it as long as it was under wraps. As soon as it came out from under wraps, they had to make an example of i.e. And Wadi, that's a good that's a good point. And one thing I want to point out real quick is the hypocrisy of the NFL fan. Because have you ever noticed maybe on some comment boards or anything like that, when a player holds out, it's just like he's being selfish. He is not thinking about the team. He's not thinking about anybody else. But as soon as they cut a player, it's best for business. Got to support the team. They made their best decision. <laughs> Since White brought up kind of the barbaric aspect, what are your thoughts about the whole CTE thing? Have we talked about that yet? I, I don't think we have. I mean, the, the evidence is, is steadily building, man. I mean, if you think about it, if you're ramming your head repeatedly during your football career, I mean, that's going to cause... <laughs> your brain can only take for so much before you start doing some damage to it. I don't think there's any helmet you can make anytime soon that's going to be able to to fix that. And of course, the NFL is doing everything they can to dismiss or disprove all of this evidence. It seems like every couple months you got some former NFL player dying hella early from injuries he's sustained from his playing days. And a, a lot of it is, is a lot of those players have like mental issues and they end up killing themselves or killing their family and stuff like that so and a lot of them that pass away are already signed up to have their brains looked at for CTE so I mean it's it's one of the, those things where players understand that at least once they retire that this could be a contributing factor and I mean they, I know after that report came out they interviewed a lot of different players and there was a wide variety of responses from the uh from the not Martellus was it yeah Martellus Bennett who uh, 
reference that he's not I'm not dying on this football field or dying for football. Like I love playing yeah. football, but I'm not gonna die for this. And then you have other other players, like there was some cornerback from somewhere and he was like, What better way to go than on the football field? Like you like you have varying degrees of that viewpoint, but I think once you get older and the effects start to hit you, like there's there's a moment of clarity for a lot of people and these players are basically lining up for when I pass away, study my brain. I want to, I want people to know what happened so that other people don't have to go through this or people can at least make more informed choices. Yeah, I definitely think it is something that, that the league's going to have to look at. But the thing I think is the most important part is that it's still developing kind of the medical um, industry of what the disease is. In the most recent study, I saw that it was some high percentage, I want to say 90% or something of the individual state they tested had CTE, but the possible problem is that they had sample size where they drew from people who volunteered essentially, and the, the family members, of course, after the individual passes is when they can do the, the test and everything. They volunteered to um, have, have their brain study for it. So that could be some of the, the skewed aspect of how often it can happen because they already had some idea that these individuals had um, the disease. But the big part that stuck out to me is that it's not just NFL athletes. It's some of the individuals they tested were just high school athletes. So, you know, uh, some of us even played football growing up. That's crazy to think about that it doesn't take your entire like a NFL career to have this type of disease. And I wonder how the NFL can really react to this because it could change the whole trajectory of people allowing their kids and you know to even play the sport. And to your point, Barrett, um, a lot of actually former NFL players, most notably Bo Jackson, came out and stated that he wouldn't allow his, his son to play in the NFL uh, LeBron James, who we all know who he is. We had a whole discussion on him about the last podcast. He stated that his sons couldn't play NFL, couldn't play football, basically, at all. But the, the weird thing you hear about is a tribute to mostly NFL. You don't hear about it from other sports, especially like hockey, which have probably the same extent of you know hard hits and, and everything. Shoot, you can fall down on, on some ice and that's even a harder surface than a football field. But you hear attributed mostly to football, so I think that's kind of interesting. Well, I think part of the reason for that is if you look at the physics of the, the various sports, like nine times out of ten, most of your contact sports are built so that they're like you hit in a certain way. Like there's only really one sport um, where you have padding, you have protection, but you're meant to hit someone with the upper quarter of your body, right? And that's football. Because if you think about hockey, you think about lacrosse, other full contact sports, your hands are engaged. So you can't hit with the upper, with only the upper half of your body and use your arms to wrap up, which lends you to use more of the upper upper quarter as opposed to your torso. Point. With hockey, you hit with your you hit with your chest, you hit with your shoulder, you hit with your side, you hit with your torso. Same thing with lacrosse, you hit with your torso. With football, a good tackle, 
you hit with the you hit with your shoulder that sort of what's the word that they use to describe it that sort of uh add that level and the l shape of the shoulder and the head like that's yeah. how you wrap up so the perfect fit is your shoulder your track your uh trap muscle right in the hip or the rib of the offensive player your head either behind or in front of them and you wrap up with your arms so your head is always engaged when you make a hit as opposed to hockey or, or lacrosse where you check with your hands you check with your forearm yeah although true. these are just as much contact sports and in some instances they're more violent sports they're they are not built in a way that your head is always engaged when you hit the whereas football you don't have a choice unless you do a forearm shiver there's there's no tackle on which your head isn't engaged as a part of the tackling process mm-hmm. so I think that that's where the difference really lies I'll confess when I played football growing up I was the worst tackler because I was so afraid of messing up my neck I would focus so much on form and proper tackling Hello? that if, if, if I missed it, I missed some tackles that way because, you know, I was trying to do it too perfectly than just throwing my body around. But that that was really a fear of my playing throughout fifth grade on throughout high school. I, I just couldn't see how some of my teammates would be fine dropping their head as they're trying to make some of those tackles. Yeah, I actually had got a, a pinched nerve in my neck in high school doing that. Because I was, I was cautious like you, Barry, and uh, the, one of the few times that I just went for it, yeah, I got a pinched nerve in my neck, and I never did do that again. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Like, yeah, I was out for I was out for a couple weeks, man. I had to do physical therapy and all that. They put the little um, sticky electrical things on your neck. Mm-hmm. So I, like, <laughs> and they tell you, like, yo, don't tense up, or you're going to, like, it's gonna really like like flex that muscle. You gonna be looking crazy. So <laughs> a couple times I'm looking like I was having a seizure and stuff over there. <laughs> I'm tensing up. But um, like Whitey was saying, man, like football is the only one that you really engage your head in during like during most of the game, especially if you um, especially if you're like on the line, man, and on the line, like every play you're engaging your head and they've sports science guys have have um have done all the research on the impact and everything it's like a car they said the impact is like a car hitting a wall at 30 miles per hour or something like that i mean it's big those guys are huge but your brain just isn't built to handle that kind of uh stress on a consistent basis for for that long so I see a lot of players, and we've already seen it already. Um, you got to have a lot of players who are going to start, are going to just get their money, and they're going to get out as soon as possible. Especially since contracts aren't guaranteed, so it's just like it's not even worth it if you don't have, if you you can't make the kind of money that was that will uh, provide for your family for a long time, and like you're going to be having mental issues after that like it's not it's not worth it anymore well um that's going to conclude our conversation today on the nfl we appreciate everyone listening to the podcast 
seems like we're pretty much all in agreement that we do support Colin Kaepernick and we hope he does get signed soon so he can continue his NFL career. So until next time, we appreciate you guys listening um, and we hope that you'll join the conversation with us on this topic. Take care.